Well, welcome to Overtime. This is our ninth week of doing our weekly podcast. So if you're just joining us, thank you for bearing with us. We've had a few technical difficulties that we're just figuring out. So uh, very much starting this, we're only like four minutes late or something like that. So good job, Josh. Way to go. Maybe this is a good time to plug. Uh, the church is looking for a part-time technical director. So if you have tech skills that you would maybe be able to help the church out, uh, we're looking for you. So there's actually a couple other listings for a children's ministry yeah, assistant yeah. as well as a janitorial uh, support. Um, so if you're interested in that, you can go to clcfamily.church slash jobs. There's a couple listings. They're all part-time. You can find that information there. So that's just a free random plug. So nice. yeah. uh, welcome to, to week nine of Overtime, basically where we get the opportunity to kind of talk through the weekend service um you know if anything was left out on the cutting room floor anything that you wanted to kind of talk about any questions that you the viewers have whether you're watching this live on facebook or through our website or if you're listening on this uh, as a podcast uh, we're also available on apple Podcasts as well as spotify all you got to do is search clcfamily.church and you can find us there so this is our ninth week of doing this so we're going to kind of jump into the recap we've got a couple different questions for today um, but before we do that, we also want to highlight, and this is the intentional one we want to highlight one week from today. Can you believe it? One week from today is Christmas Eve. So we are, that means one week and one day we are away from Christmas. I can't believe the year has flown by that fast. So we want to let you know that we do have Christmas Eve services that we're pretty excited for. We have three of them that are happening. Two of them, one at five o'clock and one at seven o'clock is going to be done here at the Christian Life Center. It's going to be a family friendly service. There'll be some videos, there'll be a lot of singing, um, uh, about an hour long service. So we'll get you in, we'll get you out so you can kind of continue on with your evening. We know that there's a lot of Christmas traditions around that. We do have pre-K uh, pre um, child care provided for that if you're interested in both the five and the seven o'clock service. Again, that's here at the Christian Life Center. If you want more information, please let us know. Reach out to us. We'd be happy to answer that. Then we also have a nine o'clock traditional service. There will not be any child care for that one. And that one is actually held at New London Presbyterian Church. That's kind of our our main uh, campus where everything kind of birthed from as Christian Life Center got older and yada, yada, yada. There's a lot of history there that we're not going to get into. But Pastor Jeff will be running that one traditional mm -hmm. service yeah, yeah. at nine o'clock. Uh, also promises to be a lot of fun. Great way to kind of start off your Christmas. Um, just kind of taking some time to focus on who Christ is and really remembering the reason why we celebrate this That season. one's candlelit, so you get to yeah, light some candles. that one's candlelit as well. And it's not the cheap, fake, like plastic candles. It's real candles, right? Oh, man, I just messed that one up. Apparently, it's they're LED candles. They're beautiful. It's not, LED candles. They're not cheap in plastic, they're, but they are they're beautiful. They're LED candles, yeah, I, because it's an old building. And <laughs> I don't know if you remember. We didn't practice that. I don't know all. if you remember doing the candlelight things. I, I can. I have some real vivid memories oh, yeah. of having that hot wax just yes. sitting on my hand. I some. absolutely remember that. Like yeah. at one year, I think I wanted it to happen, and then it happened, and I thought that yeah. was a bad idea. Yeah. So anyway, that's kind of what we want to push you towards. Uh, hey, if you are a regular here at the church, we want to encourage you to invite your friends, invite your neighbors. In fact, this weekend we will have invite cards specifically for that Christmas Eve service. So we want to get that word out. It's a, you know, a time where people are looking for an invitation and, and maybe just you asking them would be all that somebody would need to come and be part of that. So I uh, want to encourage you to do that. So that's all the announcements that we have. That's, all, so that's it for you? I, I'm sure I can think of more. But Do you want to say some other stuff that you didn't plan, or you just want to jump into the I don't think so. I think planned? that's all that I got right now. Let's okay. just jump into what we got. So with okay. that, then, do you want to give us a recap of what we talked about over this weekend? It would be my pleasure. 
Ben. Um, it's Ben. Ben. Uh, so uh, week three of Wonder kind of the idea is, man, maybe we should actually pause and think about this ridiculous story. Yeah. Right? And it's particularly, what if it's actually true? Yeah. Not like part of it, but the whole thing true. God as a baby. Like it just, I mean, it's, it is a crazy, crazy story to consider. And if it's true, then it has some real implications and ramifications for our life. Uh, particularly, it means God's a lot closer than we realize. Uh, it takes away the pressure and responsibility to perform well because God does all the work. Right. It um, means that he uh, was willing to be very vulnerable and close to us. And so as we kind of look through the story, go, okay, if it's all true, then maybe we should read every single word as truth and go, okay, every single one of these uh Every single one of these words are true, and they point to Jesus as the hero of the story. And uh, that's what I really like about Luke's gospel. That's why we've been in it the last two weeks. We'll be in right. it again this week. Is that he actually opens up his writing in Luke chapter 1, verse 1 through 4. And he says that he there's been lots of people who've kind of tried to figure out this truth. And he wrote it so that we could be certain of the mm -hmm. truth of this. And so there's this certainty that he hopes we get out of it. And if you look at the scriptures, boy, if we could be certain that this is true. Particularly, and I think it's Luke one thirty seven that we read this past week, that no word from God will ever fail. Yeah. Right? Some of the translations go, nothing is impossible for God, but like no word from God will ever fail. If that's true, if that's true, then that means that he came to seek and save that which is lost. He came to give us life and life to the fullest. That he is the way, the truth, and the life, meaning all that's available to us. Then if that's yeah. true, then it could change everything. And yeah. so we're kind of going, okay, Luke, if... You're trying to help us be certain of this. Let's read through your words. And so starting in Luke chapter 1 last week, uh, and then again this week, and kind of see this sandwich that happens in the scriptures between two different stories. Yeah. Um, I said at all three services about, I talked about Ray Pruitt from 90210. Yeah. He pushed Donna down the stairs. Yeah. I, but anyway. I, I have no idea who Ray And I said it was the, the spinoff uh, to Melrose Place. That's a lie. I'm sorry. It was actually a spinoff to a different show called The Heights, which was Ray Pruitt's band. But he wrote a song that became a number one on the one uh, Billboard's 100. Only time from a show that that's ever happened at that point. Maybe it's happened since then. I don't think so, though. Fresh Prince of Bel-Air didn't even get that. You know? <laughs> so, But it was a song, How Do You Talk to an Angel, right? And okay. so in this sandwich, you got two different interactions with one angel, Gabriel, six right. months apart. He talks to Zechariah. Then he talks to Mary. And the reality is they talk to this angel a lot differently, and we see some different things. Zach, uh, Zechariah gets put in timeout yeah. for nine months, and Mary kind of goes through this methodical thing. Really, really funny to me because the godly – mature priest who we would think should be the one who gives us our counsel. We don't get it from him. We get it from the hormonal teenage girl. Right. right? And so there's not to think about there. And so we see this kind of play out. And so kind of the big idea is, Hey, when things don't, don't meet our expectations, when we have a certain expectation of God and there's a different reality, how do we respond to God? Right. Like how do we respond to God regardless? So this is good things, bad things. How do we respond to God? And Mary kind of, goes through this methodical approach where the first thing she does is she thinks about it, right? Yeah. She, It says that uh, she wondered, which is where we start here. Like, she wondered. She tried to understand is what the word means. She logically tried to put it in order, right? right. So she wondered, and then she expressed her doubts. Really important that she expresses her doubts because when she does that, it means she actually explains that she doesn't think this is possible. Right. And yet she's not saying it's not possible. It tells us that she believes. And then the third thing she did is she surrendered anyway. And that's what kind of there is a piece of Christmas that uh, of this of this whole series and of this week that I want people to get is what does the birthday boy want for right. Christmas? Right. What should we give? And 
really the big idea is we should give in. Right. Lean right. all the way in. And then we go, that's not very easy. And you are correct. That's <laughs> not very easy. In fact, we try to do it and we fail at it every single day. So yeah. how does Mary do it? Well, this is so profound. She immediately – we miss this in the story. She yeah. gets this news, and she immediately says she hurries and goes to her cousin's house or her yeah. relative's house. We don't know if it's a cousin. But she immediately goes there, meaning there is something in this that we somehow miss. She goes, okay, God, may you have your way. And then she goes and does something. She doesn't go to church. She goes to a friend's house. She goes to a neighbor's house. She goes to, I mean, a relative's house. And that's really, really important for this because what we see is uh, if anyone can identify with Mary's story, it's Elizabeth, yeah, right? right? She thought it was insurmountable, thought it wasn't possible, right. and she does that. And so that's the fourth thing we find is not only does she uh, think about it, stop and think, and then express her doubts, and then surrender the way that she surrenders the best is she goes and leans into community, yeah. right? And so she finds community. And then as a result of this community, you see um, Elizabeth prophesy over her and speak words of right. life to her. Right. so important what we can do this Christmas is speak words of life. And her response out of that, those, that language that comes to her, that, that blessing that happens is she worships, she yeah. praises. And so not only do you have to stop and think about it, not only do you have to express your doubts, not only do you have to surrender and find community, the last thing is you actually should respond and praise to God. And yeah. one of the things I talk about a good bit is praise is our prescription to pain. Mm-hmm. So if our reality does meet our expectations with God and there's some pain there, the solution to that is praise. Praise is our prescription to pain and extra peas our pathway to peace. That's yeah. just yeah. So that's the, the story of what we got to look at this week. Yeah, it was pretty cool to kind of look at all of Luke chapter one. So obviously last week we started with Elizabeth and Zachariah mm-hmm. and now we were talking about Mary and, and it was really cool to contrast. I guess so my first question was is that contrast, is, is was Luke trying to set up that contrast or is it just maybe I'm looking at it from a different lens because you know, we took two weeks and really kind of separated it out. We see Zachariah's response and then we see Mary's response. Like, w- was that intentional or is that just, you Yeah, know? so I mean, I, I'm, I'm not in Luke's mind. Yeah. Uh, but I, I do think so. I for a couple of, one, one, I think God set it up this way, right? Right, right. Okay, but the, I mean, you see it. Mark does this a lot. It's called a, right. They call them. It's called a Mark and sandwich. We saw it a couple of weeks back when we looked at the the girl with the blood disorder and the girl right. who was right. dead. It's and like, that's kind of what I was thinking yeah, so about. It's like, like we've seen. You this. got this one story happening, then another story happens, and you go back to the first story, right? Yeah. And so this is kind of something. It's like an Oreo. Okay, here's some really good outside. What's the cream in the middle? And so there is something in there that Luke intentionally yeah. tells right now. Anything is he's also writing sequentially. Like this is right. how it happened in order six months earlier. Right, right. Now, now we go to Mary. Now we get this. So he, but he's setting up the story. He's yeah. choosing to start with Elizabeth and Zechariah. So there's something in that. And I go, yeah, God's kind of doing that. And I do think it's so you could see distinctly different responses yeah. to you know a similar story. Yeah. Both of them are beyond uh, the natural order. Right. right? One is uh, never had sex, so therefore can't have a baby. The other one is post-menopause, right? right? Like, so right. neither one of these is this a possibility based on where their life is, right. and yet both of them have this crazy scenario, and what's even more unique is the their different responses, and you would be surprised by the way each of them responds. Yeah. You would think it'd be the opposite. Right. Only a godly man who is right. the priest inside the temple, <laughs> you know, he has his one response. He is, he is the, the has all the right posture and all the right pedigree. Right. He has the right family, and he is in the right place to interact with God. It would make sense that that's, if you're going to interact with God, it'd be right there next to the yeah. Holy of Holies. Yeah. And yet his response is suspicion, right? Yeah. And then you see the opposite. So, yeah, I think there's something there that's going, hey, you probably should really pay attention because this is not at all what it seems like it should be right. in so right. many different categories. And I think that's the one thing I'd continue to offer um, uh, 
to, to people as they read the Bible, just bring some curiosity into that. Yeah. Like, man, this is really strange. Why does she immediately run? Don't go to the right. rest of the story because you know it. Just go one verse at a time. Like, yeah. like the writer's holding your hand and go, no, this is all I want you to know yet. Right. This is all I want you to know yet. There's just some real curiosity that comes up with that. So yeah. you hear the story of Zechariah. He gets put in time out, and you go, I wonder what's going to happen next. The scene changes, right? You're right. And all of a sudden, we got a, a teenage girl with the same angel, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty interesting. So. It's uh, so as you set up this this message specifically this week, and, and I guess I'm leaning into this because I think that relationally it's really good for me to hear. Um, I've heard you talk about this before, but but even just as you set it up, you talked about when your expectation uh, doesn't meet the reality of what happens. Yep. There's there's a gap there, and what do you choose to fill that gap with? You choose to fill it with either trust or suspicion. Yep. Obviously, in a healthier relationship, you're going to choose that with trust. Okay, you know. Uh, my wife is just a little bit late. She's not running around. She's yeah. not doing anything she shouldn't be. She's probably just got hung up uh, with talking yeah. to somebody or, or something like yeah. that, uh, uh, you know, impromptu meeting. So uh, I guess I, as I was thinking through that, I'm going, is there anything else like relationally, like how do we, how do we operate? And I guess this is part of a question that will probably resurface. Like uh, I've got a question that we'll talk about in, in a little bit, but relationally, what do you do? I guess if you're in a place where you don't operate with trust you are almost by default operating in suspicion. Like, I don't know. I, I feel like this is kind of part of the, the message, but not really. This is more of a relational question, and it kind of ties back in. Um, and I'll, like I said, I'll probably revisit that yeah. question. But what would you do or say to somebody that kind of knows that relationally they're leaning into trust or they're leaning into suspicion rather than trust? Yeah, there's a lot to kind of think through there, and there's a lot of work we have to do on our own, right? And yeah. so – John Gottman talks about how he can see a couple and tell you within one interaction whether or not they're going to get divorced. Hmm. Like, and, and he he boils it all down to the word contempt. Okay. That if he sees contempt, the scoffing, the laughing, and contempt it just literally means when you think about a judge, put someone in contempt. What that hmm. means is they're sitting in a position of authority and hmm. judgment, right? Okay, and so. When a, when a couple gets there, it's really, really bad. So you go, how does a couple get there? And we talk about this a good bit. It goes, well, what happens is it starts with the unmet expectation, right? Right. That leads to some disappointment. The disappointment leads to some bitterness. Some bitterness leads to some anger. Anger leads to resentment, which eventually leads to contempt, right? right? And so there's this, this whole lineage that happens. And if you notice, it always starts with an unmet expectation. Right. So all this is about a gap that's not met. And guess what? Right. Our expectations are never really met. Yeah. Right. Here's the reality for us is and where I heard this about trust and suspicion first was Andy Stanley talking about it. And he talked about there's always a gap for all of us and who we are and who we want to be known as. Right. Like each of us that's have this true. own gap. We have this idea of who we want to be known as. And then there's the reality of who we are. And most of our life we're trying to fill that gap. Right. Yeah. And get it closer to the, who we are is actually who we want to be known as. Yeah. But there is even even we don't even meet the expectations we have of ourselves. Right. right. That's what you hear people right. say. We just judge other people by their actions we judge ourselves by our intentions right because we have the benefit of being curious and knowing what's going on in our heart right, right so a lot of this starts with and i would say even for any kind of couple if you find yourself in a place of suspicion it has to start with what expectation did i have hmm. and why did i have that expectation yeah right like there's something about that expectation why do you have the expectation you have like yeah. is it that uh you feel disrespected when someone isn't on your time frame Okay, then let's work on that piece and figure right, that out. Right, okay. right. What's the expectation that wasn't met first? What is what you expect and what's the reality? By the way, does your spouse or that relationship even know that you have that expectation? Right, right. Right. And would you even be willing to vocalize that expectation? And if you wouldn't be willing to vocalize the expectation, there's probably a reason for that. Right. Because deep down, you even know it's probably an unfair expectation. Mm -hmm. Right. So you got all that kind of stuff you got to go. There's a yeah, lot of work to do. Yeah. That all of a sudden, what comes out of you in that moment is frustration or whatever it is. You got to go. Okay, let's go back to 
understanding our expectations. Yeah. Like Mary probably starts with, okay, I'm a virgin. I don't understand this happens. But I wonder if she gets to the place that she goes, but I know God's plans are always better than mine. Yeah. yeah right? Yeah. So maybe it's an unreasonable expectation that I would have to go this pattern of I get married at 15. I have the kid at 16. I have the second kid at 18. My husband does the nine to five, whatever it is. And right, right. what if our expectations are what's creating all this pain and sorrow? And yeah. perhaps we just throw away the expectation. E- even kind of to, to yeah. continue what yeah. you're saying, as I'm looking at this story of Zachariah, well, exactly what you had already talked about, you know, the previous week that – there was probably an expectation there and he's kind of at the tail end of his life. Like they're advanced in years. Yeah. His wife is advanced in years. So there's a death of that dream versus, I don't know, maybe it's a little bit easier for Mary who's younger and mm. she's not at a point where it's a death of her, her dreams. I don't know. I'm just yeah. trying to, you know, I guess I'm, I'm thinking myself or my emotions into that story and trying oh, yeah. to it, logically figure that out. Like it's even complicated psychologically because we know uh, both in our brain Bible everywhere that there's just no real healing without grieving. Like the period of mourning that Jews went through is brilliant. Like we just don't, we just get busy. We stay occupied. Like explain that. Like, like I'm just saying like they, there would be weeks of grieving. Right. And even when you think about Jewish Kriya or Kriya, that the idea of exposing yourself, like ripping your clothes and grieving, like there's something really important about grieving loss. Yeah. Cause it's just, we, we can find that there's just no real healing without grieving, and you can't grieve alone, meaning there has to be community in it. But the problem you got to go for Zechariah is that's a place of real pain for him. Yeah. So how does he move forward? Yeah. The only way to move forward in this is actually to grieve the loss of what he desired. He had a dream. He had a desire. He wanted to be a dad. And the only way to move forward is finally to come to terms with the fact that he couldn't be. So it's hard. can't really judge him for it because right. it probably was a healthy thing for him to probably get to a place to go, okay, I'm grieving this. I can't just keep waiting for something supernatural to happen. The reality is I'm not going to be a father. Yeah. Now he grieves that. He's come up with, to a conclusion of that. And now he's faced with this, wait, I've already grieved this. Yeah. Now you're telling me that <laughs> it's going to happen. My son is already dead. Now you're telling me he's coming back to life. But like, yeah. It's showing a lot of how God resurrects yeah, uh, even, even those things. But going back to even the other side of trust and suspicion. So we start with unmet expectations. Let's, let's deal with that. Now the reality is, and this is where I think I, the pushback would be, uh, you know, and I'm thinking and I'm teaching, I'm always imagining the but, but yeah, but, yeah. but accept, but, but you don't know. Like the reality is sometimes people do run around, yeah. right? The yeah. reality is sometimes uh, husbands don't come home because they do stop at the bar. Right, right. Right. And so you go, well, you want me to continue to fill myself with trust there? And the scriptures say like a dog returns to his vomit, a, a vomit, a fool returns to its folly. Right. Right. Not, not vomit, folly, not vomit. Uh, like a dog returns to his vomit, a fool returns to its folly. It's a new word there, right? Yeah, it is. Really cute. Um, so, but in all that, it's like there, there, there does come a time where right. the only gap you can fill it with is suspicion. There does come a time where Zachariah's going, well, I'm not going to have a kid. Yeah. That's not even being suspicious. That's. Now I know the true reality, yeah. right? This is not just about – so I think the bigger question of this relationally is what do you do when you get there? Yeah. Not that, okay, it's, if, if there's an issue, you got to call it out and go, hey, I'm having a hard time trusting this. And I think you got to start saying what don't I know. That, yeah. Be curious about it. But eventually what don't you know, you know. Yeah. And so that's where I think all this relational stuff still goes back to a larger point, which is when you can't trust the other person, when you can't expect something from the other person, can you still trust God? Mm. Can you still trust that you can still do the right thing? You can still be loving. You can still be gracious. You can still speak words of tr- life mm. and not condemnation. Mm. You can still do all the things the scriptures say. You can still operate with the fruit of the spirit, 
even though you're suspicious of that person's mm-hmm. behavior, right? Because mm-hmm. no longer are you suspicious of it because you've actually come to the reality of what the behavior is. Yeah. But can you still trust that God is doing something in that? Can yeah. you still trust that God could still redeem it, right? And so where Zachariah gets is finally going, the reality is I'm not going to have a kid, and I can't even trust that God can work this thing out for yeah. good. Yeah. So ultimately, these relational components, they still go back to can you trust that God is still right. in it and that he still has a better way for you to live in it as a result of he only gives good gifts. Yeah. So is there a way that you could still behave like Mary does, even if you don't like the reality that you're in? Yeah. And I think that's the piece yeah. that you got to kind of that's really good. boil down to is, okay, at some point I go, it's not about trusting them. It's about trusting God right. in my circumstances. Right. That's good. And, and that's, yeah, when you word it that way, it's, of course, you, yeah, I believe that God is God. But then in your actions, does that show? And that's, yeah, that's I don't, hard. I don't a lot of time. I trust yeah. that if I present the point a better way, <laughs> explain it more in depth, yeah. you know, write it out better, then right. finally the other person will get it and they'll change their behavior, right? Right, like, right. Instead of going, no, like you won the it. argument. Yeah. Like, okay, great, moving on. Yeah, yeah. so like, uh, I, yeah, like that really helps, right? Yeah, right. And so do I trust that God is bigger than all that and working right. behind the scenes and doing yeah. immeasurably more than I can understand? Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Uh, so I just wanted to bring that up because I thought it's good It's good for us to hear that. I, mm-hmm. I think it's good for me to hear as as talking through relationships, yep. you know, trust or suspicion. Um, so kind of jumping into the story. So here we're first introduced to to Mary, at least in, in the book of Luke, obviously. Uh, this is the first time that we hear about her. You said that she was probably 12, 13, maybe 15. Yeah. Um, is there any general, like, idea that, like, how do we get to that age? Like, how, how do we know that, or is um, it just speculation? Yeah, speculation, but I think it's ultimately when you look back then that when people started getting married and having kids. Right. It was a limited lifespan. Right. So it, there would have been interest in that uh, once there was a possibility to reproduce. Yeah. Right, and so somewhere so in that childbearing line. age, yeah, because okay. you go, that's so strange, and it really is strange, and yeah. yet it's the way God wired it. Yeah, so there's something in that that I mean, it it seems so weird in our Western culture to talk mm-hmm. about that, and I mean, I even take offense to it thinking about my daughters right. at that age, right? Of course, so it's like oh, so complicated, and so many ways they're maturing so much faster, and yet they're maturing so much slower, and so yeah, so probably that's why I go middle school. Middle school is probably a good guess okay. of where she is. Wow. It's crazy. So Mary has this encounter. It's I think you picked it up or you started in verse 26. Um, and it starts with Gabriel. So Gabriel is the same angel that we saw uh, in the beginning of Luke when Zechariah and Elizabeth were, were there. Um, and he here Gabriel is again. And that kind of leads me to uh, a question. So Gabriel is the one that shows up. He kind of announces that uh, tells Mary and kind of has this encounter with her, and we'll get into that in just a second. But uh, somebody asked this question. They said, I'm curious about Gabriel and what else is known about him. Um, could you talk about what is known about angels in general? Are there guardian angels? If so, what does that look like? Oh, yeah. So, um, I mean, I'm acting surprised. I mean, I saw the question ahead of time. Yeah, right. But I. Don't have a lot here, uh, you know. Like I, so, I really don't. Like I mean, I've even done research. There's just not a, a lot of data out there. Like even yeah. guardian angels or there's such things. Well, I don't know. I mean, we. I think there's a set number of angels. Like I don't. So as our population increases, does that mean that, uh, an angel gets like two or three people? You know, like yeah, I don't know. So the, so I don't know much about them. Um. So when I, so what I literally usually do is go. Okay, let's go back to the language. What what is it? How are they referred to in both Old Testament and New Testament when we're talking about an angel? And it's actually where we get the word angel and, and halos or angelos, A-N-G-E-L-O-S. Uh, it literally just means messenger. Okay. So as a result of that, that's how they're communicated. And there's a couple of times they use the, the word messenger 
um, to talk about a, a specific person. But what we understand then, if 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 that's how they're described and that that's the language used there, um, then we understand that their their job is to give a message. Right. So from God, and right. so that's how you go. I think primarily top of the list, it's these are folks who speak on behalf of God with the authority of God. Right. Right. So this isn't even like a person doing it with their. You know, this is someone who literally is the the telephone wire for God on this. Yeah. So I think that would be at the the primary piece. I think people have experiences here, and I know people that have actually interacted with angels and seen that. Like I know pastors okay. have that. I just I haven't had that experience. Um, even most of how we form our understanding of angels still to this day, Augustine and others, they they, they kind of go back to a work by a guy named Dionysius, okay. who was kind of a mentee of Paul. Okay. And he wrote some stuff in the first, second century, but we don't we don't understand a lot about them. So I'd go, what I know is they're messengers. Right? Yeah. Okay. Now, because that word's used uh, there, it's also used um, in uh, Revelation when it talks about the seven churches. Right. And so this gets confusing for people because there, some people in some of the translations just say a messenger that's writing these letters. So is this someone writing it, taking it to each of these cities on behalf of John the messenger? And other people go, no, no, no. The way that should be translated is angel okay. because there's this angel who is this messenger and overseer okay. of um, of that city and i can see both and um, where i probably land is i think this probably is angel related and which is really really cool to think that there might be an angel over a city in a church mm. right and so that there's just some beauty in that and i don't know if i lean that way because i love the thought of like perhaps Perhaps there is an angel, like it, like because they do yeah. guardian. You know, like there's another language that's used as a host, but right. we think a host like in hospitality, right? But there's two different ways by which the word host gets translated in the Latin. One for the longest time it meant like um, a multitude, right? Uh, so like a, it was a military term, like a big old army, right, right? Right. So when you see Eugene Peterson says the God of angel armies, yeah, that's, like even the Lord of hosts is a, is a name of God. Like I've seen that. Yeah. And even so, but that. that's not talking about the one who hosts the party. Yeah. Right. right so right. Uh, that comes from the word, it's actually how we get the word hostile, right? Okay. Our hospitality. Those come from a different Latin word. Those are two okay. different words. So they're not the same there. Yeah. But, so, uh, you know, like, so the, that host means there's an angel and there's a multitude of them. Right. And so right. we understand they have uh, some fallibility because yeah. some of them fall. We understand that. We understand that they're, um, not creator, their creation. So God right. creates them. Um, he doesn't say he creates them in his image. Yeah. So then some ways we go, well, they have some greater authority and power than we do, but they're not made in God's image and likeness. Right. So right. they literally are, they're a servant of the Lord to yeah. deliver his messages. And perhaps I think in some ways uh, provide some guardian and protection. Yeah. Does everybody get their own angel? I don't know about that. I'll tell you that angels don't get wings when you know the bell rings. I know <laughs> Wait, that. Wait, what? And That's I also not, that can't be like true. even the theology no. of heaven gained another angel. We don't evolve into angels like right, that. Right, There's not that, that they just have, and I think they were, and they've been created sometime in eternity past, but they didn't exist in the beginning, right? Yeah, so God right. creates them, and so I would I'd point to that piece of messenger, probably the biggest part okay. of that, the ones who help shape and guide and speak on behalf of God and. Okay. Put up some guardrails, probably. Yeah. So, uh, so I think there's that piece. But going back to even the seven churches, the idea that it's quite possible that there could be an angel that, kind of, maybe for the last three hundred years, has kind of sat yeah. above New London Presbyterian Church yeah. and gone and guide it and protect it. I, I know people that have seen angels in churches. Yeah. And have some of that belief, and so you know, I mean, even Calvin, 
church dogmatic. No, uh, church doctrines. Uh, let's say dogmatic. That's Karl Barth. Both of them are written little bit by angels. But they even kind of shrug their shoulders. Calvin goes, okay. I don't know that we could say there's a guardian angel for every person. Okay. But we do know they exist. We do know that they're messengers. We do know that they have um, power and might that's beyond ours. Right. And we know that uh, there's a couple different types. Uh, cherubim, seraphim, and right, right. some of those are more about, um, they sit at God's feet, right. they guard heaven, they uh, offer worship and praise. Yeah. So there's a, there are some different things that happen there. Yeah, but different I, roles. That, so, yeah. But I don't have this deep uh, theology of angels. Right. No, I would say even systematic theology is probably in the top ten, so there's some stuff you can read about it. Yeah. I just... I look at the scriptures, respond to what they say, and yeah. believe they're real, but I don't know much more beyond that. Yeah, and it doesn't seem like all that much is actually talked about, but uh, but I think that's the point. It's that it's we don't want uh, – we're supposed to worship Christ, we're the creator, mm-hmm. like God, God, the Lord of hosts, not yep. his created images mm-hmm. or his created beings. Yeah. So even that, like I remember um, – this was back several years ago. I was doing a Sunday school class um, – uh, it was actually with a high school group, and we were doing some study. I think it was on Revelations. And so we got to kind of trying to draw the image that you find in Revelations, and you find some some of the imaging in Isaiah of what an angel looked like. And these did not look like you or I. And yeah. not to say I don't, I don't claim to be somebody that knows all about angels, but when you read the descriptions of what angels and cherubim yeah. and seraphim look like, they... There's a reason why you mentioned this last week. When angels showed up in, in Scripture, the first thing that they said was fear not because they yeah. probably didn't look like you or I. Not to say that God can't do that or he doesn't, you know, God is God. He can do all yeah. things. So uh, just to read those descriptions, though, the image is not one. I mean, we're talking about like six wings and six eyes and like there's some crazy stuff there. So uh, I always thought that that was an interesting class that just kind of always comes up in my mind because it's like the world's worst game of charades because you're trying to draw yeah. something that you can barely even imagine. So yeah. we had some fun fun discussions in that class. So, uh, yeah, so I, I do appreciate the, the yeah. question. I'm not sure if it fully answers it, but I'm not sure, to be honest, if we really can fully answer all that there are there. I think it's yeah. one of those things that as we, you know, come yeah. into glory with, with Christ, then... Maybe we'll be able to ask questions yeah. or have a greater understanding. And if you're looking for a better understanding, you can just read Dan Brown's Angels and Demons. I think that explains. <laughs> I kid. No, don't do that. I kid. That's not uh, That's not something that we're So, yeah, that's all I got. I'd say the yeah. point of the messenger. Same thing I'd say about the Bible is sometimes we say this is the menu, not the message, right? Like, I mean, yeah. there's – like it's it's pointing us to the thing, right? right. Or, or, right. or this is the menu, not the, the food, right? right? Like it's like there's something that God wants us to receive in this, but this isn't what we worship. We don't worship the Bible. We're so thankful for the Bible. We don't worship angels. We're just thankful for their guidance, their protection, and we'll take whatever they give us, Yeah. right? And because God's the one who's directing them. Right, right. So uh, as we kind of continue into that story, so Gabriel shows up, gives this news. Uh, I thought verse 29, and you already kind of alluded to this, but I, I love the way that it's worded. It says, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. So it's it's amazing that there was, in the same sentence, she was troubled, but she was also wondered. Like, And it's pretty incredible. And I guess my question becomes, how do we, uh, and this is in uh, kind of in regards to um, uh, another overtime question: How are Zachariah's question and Mary's question different? So, how do we how do we operate? Because what you see is that Zachariah had a question. Like, yeah, they both asked the question: like, How mm-hmm. does how is that mm-hmm. going to happen? And Mary says the same thing: How does that happen? So, how do we operate? I, I guess personally, I'm thinking: 
when God says something to me, when it it would probably be natural for me to think, well, how would that happen? How do I know that I, if I'm operating in trust, trust or in suspicion? Like, how do I guard against that? How do we, even through Mary's words, how do we see this as she was she was doing it the right way as opposed to Zachariah who didn't do it the right way. Yeah. And there was air quotation marks there. If you're uh, uh, listening to this on the podcast. Yeah. So, um, I think the greatly troubled is really important here and because, uh, and this is why I love Victor Frankl, the idea of stimuli and response and the gap between those is really, really important. And so I think space is it. And I think the wondering is where we get there. It doesn't say she blurted. It says she's wondered. Like that's yeah. a, she actually paused and thinks about it for a second. And so I don't know all that she was thinking, but I do know. Um, I want to say it's one twenty. Verse I, maybe it's where um, Zachariah says something. How can this be? Or whatever it is. I'm old. My wife's even older. You know. And then literally you see Gabriel's rebuke and it says, because you don't believe or something like that. Is that what it says there? Yeah, yeah. it's, it is 20. Yeah. Uh, it says, uh, and now you'll be silent and not be able to speak you, until the day happens. Cause you did uh, not believe because my you words. did not believe my words. So, um, so we know from that, that the reason he is being rebuked is not because of the question. Yeah. It's because okay. of his posture of his heart. Now he might've even thought about that. He just blurts it out. Now we see later, Oh, I want to say maybe 156, wherever, maybe it's not that far. When Elizabeth now is speaking over Mary, it says, because you believed the Lord's words. Because you believed the word Lord's words. So it would be in the statement that, uh, uh, here it is, it's going to be right here, 46 maybe. Blessed are you among women and blessed, yeah. Uh, verse 45, so yeah, blessed is right. she who believed that the Lord would fulfill his promise to So we got two different pieces. So these things have to do with belief. Yeah. It has everything to do with belief. So here's the question I'd ask if you're going, am I tr- trusting or suspicion? I'm not, I don't think we have to understand how it works. In fact, okay. it'd be silly for us and <laughs> arrogant of us to go, no, no, God, we only are only going to follow you with the things we understand about you. Right? Yeah. That is the biggest danger of even our theology right now is this reductionism that yeah. just shrinks God down to this cute little thing that we can explain and share in an elevator. It's like he is so much bigger than that. Yeah. So there, he is so much more nuanced. So this idea that we only follow things that we understand fully doesn't make – makes us God. Yeah. Right? It makes us chairman of the board. And so – I think that's really interesting and why what happens the way is Zachariah literally he gets disciplined for a very very specific reason. The reason he gets disciplined is because he does not believe. Yeah. So Mary takes a pause and she probably works through something like this. Okay, I'm a virgin, this can't happen, I'm not sure how this can be. Oh my goodness. Or you know, like, but I believe God. Right. Yeah. So I believe God, right? And so there is this piece that at some point you have to surrender that and go, I don't understand it, but I'm gonna give it anyway. Yeah. I don't see God how you're gonna fix this. But you say you will. You say that no word from you ever fell. So I think that's the piece that's really, really important. It has everything to do with our belief. And here's the thing. We can all be frauds. Hmm. Like I was driving yesterday and going, God, sometimes I just feel like a fraud. I feel like all these things I say on stage, which I wholeheartedly believe for other people. But there are times I can't let it kind of saturate my own heart. And it's Hmm. like, and no one would know that except for me. Right. Right. There's so much about 
our lives. Like even that's interesting when you think about the Ten Commandments. That covet one's really interesting. Because yeah. you can do all the right things outwardly and no one ever know that's what's going on with you, right? Right. So right. I love when Jesus talks to the, the rich young ruler. Because he goes, goes and sell everything you have. You go, oh, that's how you get salvation is selling things. No, no, no. Jesus was able to peer into his heart and see his beliefs. And his beliefs were those things brought him too much joy. Yeah. Right? And so it has everything to do with pausing long enough to go, what do I actually believe? Mm. Why am I actually troubled? Right? And so what is Zachariah troubled by in this? Yeah. You know, he's, he can't fathom it rationally, and therefore, if we can't understand it with our rational mind, yeah. then God must not be real. And it's like, do you see the arrogance in our culture right yeah. now on that? Yeah, absolutely. So. Yeah. So if I can dive a little bit deeper into that. So so what I'm hearing is that it's it's really the faith, the, the level of belief that they these two had. So Mary kind of was going, I don't understand it, but it can happen. Yeah. Zachariah is going, I don't understand it, and I don't believe it'll yeah. happen. Yeah. So, so that's why I like the, the idea of pupil to teacher yeah. versus lawyer doing a cross-examination. Yeah. Because think about, like, if you've ever seen any of those shows where the lawyer knows the person's lying, right, and coming at them about right, like, right. saying so many rude things because it's going, I do not believe you. Right. So therefore, I'm going to keep asking the questions to prove my point that you are not telling the truth, that you are a liar, right? So that's the scoff, this idea yeah. that he's coming into this. Saying to this angel in his heart, I don't believe you. Like what you're saying, he literally is passive aggressively calling this angel a liar and therefore calling the angel who's just the messenger a liar. He's actually really saying that God isn't telling the truth here. Right, right. So either you're not. So even in that, his punishment seems pretty gracious. Oh, absolutely. Discipline is what, not punishment, that discipline is really like, oh, wow, that's actually pretty nice. But let me, this is where I want to kind of dive a little bit deeper. So. You just kind of said sometimes that you wrestle with having the belief. And so what do, what do you do? Uh, I guess this is a question for you personally. Hopefully it's mm-hmm. not too deep. No. I mean, you share what you want to, but also something for us when we are wrestling. Maybe it's not, you know, God is telling us that we're going to conceive Jesus. Like that's not what he's telling us. But we're wrestling with our experiences in life where we've, God hasn't maybe come through the way that we thought that he was going mm-hmm. to, and 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 we're being told maybe we're supposed to believe this, but our experience has kind of said that it doesn't seem to be that way. So how do, I guess what I'm asking is how do we get from, if we're at a place of Zechariah, how do we get to a to be at a place where Mary is? How, mm-hmm. how do you do that? I guess because you kind of opened that door. Yeah. How do you personally do that when you're standing on stage on a Sunday, but then driving you know, through town or wherever you are on Monday where you're going, oh, man, sometimes I feel like this. Yeah, uh, so I think that wonder is really important. And here's the crazy thing. I usually come to this conclusion, not through some supernatural moment, but through logic and reason. So that's why I love the word wonder. It's actually <laughs> okay. the logic reason. And here's the story that I explain. And I, I mean, I tell myself this all the time, like all the time. I, I think about the story of uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? Yeah. Uh, three guys who are in a broken culture. They get brought in and like, I mean, it's a messy culture. And these three guys are trying to honor God with all they are. They're not going to bow down to other gods, right? Right, right. Which is, which is our battle. And our God is control and comfort and security and understanding and all those things. Those are mine anyway. Like yeah. I need to understand the whole thing. And so the story goes, Nebuchadnezzar basically goes, you worship me. If you don't, you get thrown in the fire. Right. They don't. And they say something. They say something, and they go, Neb, Neb we're not going to worship you. The God that we serve will deliver us. <laughs> and that part's really easy. But that part that I keep going back to is that, but even if he doesn't, yeah, we are not going to bow down to you. That is a, that is a logical conclusion that you are not God. 
Neb, Neb, you're not God. Like, you think it's silly of us to do this, but you know what's really silly? That I'd kiss your feet. Yeah. Like, that I would put you on some pedestal and put my security and my confidence in a mere mortal. Yeah. Right? And so, for them, it seems like this bold, you know, proclamation, but it's actually pretty logical. Look, God's going to come through, but even if he doesn't, you're not God, you yeah. know? And so... So often that's kind of thing, God, I think you're going to come through in this. I think you're going to come through. You're going to do something great. But even if you don't, mm. logically, where else am I going to go? That's why I love what it says in the end of John chapter 6, where Jesus says, eat my flesh, drink my blood. And they're going, oh, you're not doing that. That's crazy. doesn't make any sense. They all walk away. Yeah. He looks over at Peter and goes, are you going to leave too? 666, 67, 68, somewhere in there. And he goes, uh, where else are we going to go? Yeah. Who else holds the words of eternal life? So right. those are not like impassioned pleas. Those are like, that's where I come to a place of surrender going, well, I don't like these circumstances. I cannot understand how you're working in this. God, there's no other place I can look. Yeah. And so that's that's the belief piece to me. And when I finally get there and go, where else am I going to go? Yeah. I'm not going to worship a job. I'm yeah. not going to worship my children. Like I'm not going to. I'm not going to worship a marriage or vanity or anything else. Like none of those things will, will save me. Right. So either all this is a complete farce, and we're all in huge trouble, or God, you must be real. Yeah. And so for me, that confidence and trust comes from this place of I just have turned over all the other rocks, I think, yeah. and found them leaving me wanting. Yeah. So very logical for me in the weirdest sense. I love the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego story. Of, but even if he doesn't, yeah. that's the piece I love because everybody celebrates that he saved them from the fire. And I'm like, no, no. But they said even if he doesn't, yeah, because they had thought through it. Yeah. So uh, that's good. I think that it's. I feel like sometimes when I'm in those situations where I'm going, okay, I, I uh, how am I going to operate here? Am I going to walk in trust or walk in suspicion? Like it, for me, I almost. I, I guess what I'm trying to get to is that it's taking captive my thoughts of being able to control those thoughts and go, hey, uh, when I can logically think about it and go, okay, well, if it's not Jesus, what would be the solution? Yeah. And then because I've already experienced, I feel like everything that the world has to offer, I'm going, well, it's yeah. definitely not there. So I, I think yeah. that that's a good answer. What's interesting so. about that is even thinking about expectations like, that's where we have to go. We have to identify what's that expectation. Yeah. And is the expectation we have of God even fair? Mm. Like, if God says he's going to, pro he does what he says he's going to do, we can have those expectations. Yeah. But he didn't actually promise us life would be easy. Yeah. Right. In fact, <laughs> what he actually told us is in this world, you will have trouble. That's right. So you go, well, I didn't want trouble. I expected God not to give me trouble. You're actually expecting him to do the opposite of what he's already prophesied and proclaimed would happen. Yeah. So I think a lot of this is actually finally pausing for a second and go, what is it that I actually expect of God? Hmm. And is it actually because he's God and Lord or because I kind of want him to be my servant, right? Hmm. We kind of want a consultant, yeah. not a God. And <laughs> so, so much of this probably is more about kind of identifying what our expectations of God are. And most of that is probably going, that's an unreasonable expectation of yeah. the God of the universe. Yeah. I think that's good. So. That's good. So uh, just looking at the time, we've, we've still got uh, plenty of time left, but I wanted to kind of talk through. So one of the things that you you had said to me, I think this was maybe even before the weekend, you said this week it's a little bit more prescript prescriptive. Yeah. As you look at uh, what Mary did, there's kind of five specific things that she did that really we can do. So I, I wanted to kind of re-talk through them. Okay. You mentioned them at the beginning, but uh, the first was to stop and think. Like as, yeah. as Mary went through, through this, uh, and you said it was five steps, and I'm kind of talking around my mic, microphone here. Uh, so five steps to trust God. 
um, or how you can trust God. You said, one, stop and think. Two, to express your doubts. Three, to surrender. Four, find community um, and know that it's going to be okay. And then five was to praise God. So uh, maybe we can spend a few moments, like, I don't know if there's anything deeper in those. And honestly, if you go to the, the website and you listen to the message, you can hear kind of an explanation of those. So maybe this isn't a full version of what happened on Sunday, but is there anything deeper that you wanted to talk about in those five kind of, uh, you know, specific next steps that this is how we can grow in our trust for God? Um, I think there. I think what I would point out is uh, they actually are in sequence. Yeah. So like the surrender piece, uh, I, I don't think you can do just first. Okay, mm. just surrender. Like mm. I, I, I think this is actually, this is a progression for yeah. us, right? And I think, what, what we don't put very much value in in our world that we should is thinking. Yeah. Like we just don't think enough. We really don't. We occupy our brain with stuff, but we just don't think, mm. which is so crazy. Like. It's the one thing that we can't really explain scientifically. We're getting some kind of understanding now of, of brain mapping and seeing some of that stuff and understanding what happens as a result of thinking, like thinking generous thoughts, thinking about things, mm-hmm. you know, feeling, all those things that happen in our brain. Like we just are so busy that that part seems to go. Like even like the idea of sitting in a car and driving without something on. Yeah, I'm it's guilty just, of that. We are filling ourselves with stuff. And so like I think – I think so much gets resolved if we just stop and think more. Mm. Like, just stop and think. Like, you don't have to be a great thinker. It's energy to think, and it feels uncomfortable. But, like, that is something that you can work on and get some good exercise in. And people who, like, make progress in life do it because they actually think. Mm. Right? And so I I just think that's a – literally, I think it's really important that we do more of that, Mm. that I do more of that, that you do more of that. And that's why I love a whiteboard. Because it's hard, my brain gets so. So I like, like I like to think about a word. I like to consider what it means. I like to do all those things. So I think there's just something really interesting about just stopping and thinking. And I think we probably fill ourselves with too much scripture. Mm-hmm. Sounds terrible to say that. But too much scripture instead of just receiving a verse and thinking about it for a while. That's why I love Tim yeah. Keller's approach, which is takes a verse and then thinks about it. And he, he and he talks about this in I don't know one of his sermons or maybe a book. That inevitably what happens is he'll take a verse and he'll just write all of his thoughts about that verse. and But he'll, he'll do it for 30 minutes, and almost every time it's the last couple of minutes that there's just this massive breakthrough hmm. and doesn't seem to be on the front end. And so I just think that part, I wish I could have just said, hey, you're okay. in the middle of this hurry and busy and trying to get through a sermon. It's like just something about hmm. having the discipline to pause and think and be alone with yeah. your thoughts and God's thoughts in you, right? And so I think that's just a really important part. I think that's what Zachariah misses. Hmm. And – Frankly, I think that's why he gets the timeout. Yeah, I mean, he, <laughs> yeah, he can't talk, he can't hear, so he can't cut on the radio. Yeah, like there was no TV, right? right? Maybe he could read a book, maybe he could read the scriptures, but he just he was in his head a whole bunch, right? Right. And so I think that's just a really, really important part of it. And the neat thing about thinking a lot and is what does kind of rise up is the things that don't make sense to you, things you don't understand. And I think that's another really important part is that we have to figure out a way to communicate what seems like the big obstacles mm. so that we can give God credit when he overcomes those obstacles. Mm. If we never actually put a name on the obstacles, then that's why I love when people, I don't do it very well, but like they do their prayer journal, right? Yeah. They're actually writing prayers and can go back later and go, right. man, right. that's really neat what God did here. But unless we put some, some clarity around the obstacles, then it, we just kind of don't see that it's God's hand in it and just forget. Yeah. And so I, I think it is a sequence that, okay, think a lot and then really identify the things that you just 
don't that seem insurmountable, right? Mm. And then after that, this is where I think the take every thought captive is. Then it's putting handcuffs on it. You're like, yeah. I've thought all I can about it. I don't understand it. Yeah. I've explained and expressed the complications of this. Now it's captive. Yeah. I've, I've, I've put words on it. I understand why I'm feeling this. And I'm explained to God why I'm having a hard time with it. Now I'm putting it in a jail cell and going, I'm wrapping it up in a box. I'm right. giving it back to God. Right. right? And right. Go, okay, God, now it's yours. I've explained to you why it can't be mine, why I don't think it's possible, whatever that is. But I believe you're greater than that. And so that giving in is giving all of us into that. And that's mm. the piece where I hope what happens for us is we get some headspace to think about other things. Yeah. Right? Cause, and then at that point that you give in, it's going, but that's really, really hard. Right? And yeah. so that's why I love the sequence saying the reason that's hard to continue to surrender is because we haven't found community of other people who remind us of God's goodness and faithfulness. Right, right. So I love it. It says encourage one another daily. It's Hebrews 3, 13, as long as it's today, meaning not tomorrow. Like there's something about the urgency of this yeah. so that no one becomes hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Mm. That's suspicion. Yeah, That's our right. hearts being hardened. And so there's something about being in a place where people are speaking life and encouraging every day so that that suspicion doesn't grow in us. Yeah, And then – my, my opinion is if you do those first four things, naturally what comes out of you is a grateful heart. So that that, that number five is more an observation of, of the the product of it than it is, okay, now you got to sing the song. Right, so. right. Yeah, I think that's good. I feel like uh, as a great action step yeah. is to be able to kind of figure out where you are, maybe if this is something that you're walking through or, or what of these steps maybe is, is what is your biggest challenge yeah. in that? Is it the surrender piece? Is it just to be able to stop and think? Yeah. Is it, you know, finding that community or is it giving God praise? So yeah. uh, I think that it was a really good perspe- prescriptive yeah. way of kind of looking yeah. and dealing with issues and how I can trust God more. So um, uh, that's pretty much all of the questions that I think that we have. Uh, just as a reminder as we're going and, and maybe if there's any, any final thoughts, just as a reminder, if you do have questions, uh, please write them on the back of a bulletin. It can be regarding the service, uh, any questions that come up during that, or just questions in gen- general. You can write that on the back of the bulletin, drop it in the offering plates on the way out at a service, or you can o- uh, email us at overtime at clcfamily.church, and uh, we pretty much look at those every Tuesday morning right before we go to to film this um, or record it depending on your your avenue of listening Um, yeah so I'd encourage you to do that but uh, any kind of final thoughts or anything specifically left out that you didn't get there is is something here and this is um, as a pastor love you guys um, that community piece yeah I just tell you that it's not just about uh, you finding it it's about you being it yeah and so there is this really this this um, trend that's happening across the globe, definitely American church, even in our church, this trend, particularly with all the media stuff we have, right. you have the ability to sit on your couch, watch it on your big screen, yeah. and never interact. And I, mm. I this is hear me, this isn't condemnation. I want you to feel bad about it, but uh, there is something we miss when uh, you're not present. Yeah. So there's something about collectively. Yeah. A group of people, hundreds of people coming together and going, no, we believe these things. And so while I love that you can engage with a sermon in this uh, throughout the week, I don't think it's a real substitute for community, right? And yeah. so I just would I would, I, I would plea with you to mm. get in the middle of this stuff on Saturday and Sunday morning. Like bring yourself here, sing out loud with your peers here and celebrate the goodness of who God is and find some community. I show up on a Wednesday night, get in a group. And so – um, 
I mean, if you notice, like church online isn't a real church. I mean, like because you you can't serve. Yeah, like I mean, right. it, there's no kids ministry. Like, what does a kid do? You just sit there. Like, the, it's not a church. You know, it's a it's a nice supplement, right. and it's really great that, that you can stay engaged when sickness, whatever else, right, traveling. Right. But I just would say uh, it's just I think really important for our church family to be able to do this together. And yeah. so that's the piece I'd point out in terms of the community and the praise is man, if you guys could could be in the middle of this every week with us it, yeah. it, it, it's glorious so yeah i do as you were speaking i was thinking uh, so my small group met again this past friday we we typically meet weekly um but because of the holidays we didn't meet for two yeah. weeks and if i'm being completely honest like i felt like and my wife and i are kind of running that i, I say running that but it's really a bunch of adults that we get together so it just happens to be at our house and uh if i'm being honest like i feel like in my mind it was like yeah we're we're growing close we're doing well but then those two weeks that we didn't have that community i was like man i really miss these guys oh. it was almost something that i didn't recognize the the closeness or that bond that was happening until that was no longer there yeah. and so it was just was really good it was really sweet to just kind of get back together after oh, thanksgiving and it's just I just say that not to brag on my small group, but just finding community is so important, and we want to be the place that that you can find that. So if you're looking for a place of community, we want you to you know be able to find that in this church, in this facility, on Wednesday nights, and uh, even further than that, if you're interested in small groups, that's something that we're going to be kind of pushing towards uh, the beginning of, of 2020. So we want people to be able to get engaged in, in community, because in community, you're loved, you're cared for, and it's just a picture of the body of Christ. So um, hopefully you can find that here. Um, that, that's just kind of my preaching on the moment. So. Yeah, if you're having trouble, let us know. Yeah. We, we'll, we'll move heaven and earth to help, help you with that. Yeah. So, so well, I think that's about all the time that we have. Yeah, else. We're about one minute away. So we just, again, want to say thank you so much for listening. If you're watching this live, awesome. Great job. Keep it up. Uh, if you are interested in watching this or listening to this, I should say, uh, you can find us on both Spotify and on Apple Podcasts. You can find us by searching for clcfamily.church. You can find us there. Also, we do have a media page on our website, um, media page on our website that uh, you can watch any previous episodes that we've done, um, audio, all that's there. You can also find links to the messages and everything there. So, And the next episode of Bravely Honest will drop on Thursday. Yes, so. that is going to be coming um, in two days from now. Correct. So, yeah, we got a full schedule up. We are going to be back next week, so we'll be back on next Christmas Next Tuesday, Eve. same time. Yep. Um, and then the following week, that January or that what would be the December 31st episode of Overtime will actually happen on January 2nd. So we're going to push that back in two weeks. We'll push it back in two days. So yeah. that's all we got. Thanks for joining us. Hopefully you guys have a blessed week. See ya.